you can stand in confidence and know this, that you're never alone because of our Heavenly Father this morning who so greatly, greatly loves us. So right now, before we do anything else, before we go to class, before we get into the Word right now, I want you in your own words, ever how you feel led, just take about 30 seconds and just tell Him how much you love Him this morning. Can we do that together corporately? Oh, we love you, Jesus. Oh, we give you praise and glory this morning. We honor you today. Lord, you are good. Oh, you are faithful. And Lord, we stand in all of you this morning. I thank you for your presence in the sanctuary today. I thank you for giving us life this morning. Thank you for the men and women of God that's in this room, those that's joining us by way of technology today. And Lord, as we're standing and sitting in your presence today, Father, I pray that your presence would remain in this room. I pray that there would just be a hovering of your Holy Spirit today. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive this morning. I pray that you would accomplish that which you desire to accomplish in our presence today. Lord, I pray for every family that's represented here this morning. And Lord, I thank you. And I love you this morning because you have loved us. Oh, how you have loved us. When we was unlovable, Lord, you loved us. Lord, we stand with attitudes of gratitude this morning. The church says, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Those of you going to class, feel free to do so at this time. Thank you, worship team, this morning for leading us in the presence of the Lord. Today, I pray that all is well with you today. I am so grateful that you're in the house of the Lord with us, and I know It's Father's Day, so we extend a very special uh, word to all of our fathers this morning. Thank you for being godly men. Thank you for leading your families to the house of worship today. I know many are traveling, and I know we're getting into the vacation season and all of those things, but I'm so thankful that you are in the house of the Lord today with your family. And how many knows this is where we need to be as a family today? And so grateful for it. And, uh, but this morning, if you are visiting with us, a very special welcome to you. I see my friend, Brother Larry Wadle and Sylvia is with us this morning. God bless you. And as I shared from this platform just a couple of weeks ago, I probably would not be standing here today if it wasn't for the kindness that he showed me. And believing in me when I didn't believe in myself. So I am forever grateful uh, to my friend. And so it's an honor to have you in the house today with us this morning. I am going to do my best to take just a little bit of time to share with you and to finish this series that we have been in over the last six weeks together. And I have invited my much elder brother to be with us today as well. And uh, 
And uh, I called him earlier this week and said, I, I don't know what God's plan is for Sunday other than I feel like uh, I'd like to have you in the house of the Lord with us. And, and I would like for you to um, finish what I start and, uh, and lead us in a time of prayer. Uh, I do believe that we are in a place of where things are changing, uh, changing very rapidly. I am not full of doom and gloom. I'm not a naysayer today. Uh, I do know this, that God is on the throne and God is in control and God is still using the vehicle that he's chosen to use since uh, Jesus ascended into heaven and that is the church. And uh, you and I have a very vital role to play. And uh, over the last several weeks, those of you that have been here with us, you know that we have dealt, and I'm not a serious preacher, but I really felt like this is something the Lord put in our hearts to do. And we've been dealing the last several weeks on preparing to take the lead. There's a generation that's got to be, and then when I say a generation, that means all of us in this room. Well, I know we're in different age categories, but we're all still the church of Jesus Christ right now, and we all have a role to play. And it's our responsibility to be taking this glorious gospel uh, to our neighbors as well as across the world. And, but there has to be a preparing for that. There has to be a developing for that. Just because your child turns 16 years old and they do that overnight, it seems like, and they are able to go take a written test and get a piece of paper that says they're legally allowed to drive. How many knows that doesn't mean they're really able to drive at that moment? There has to be some preparing. Uh, very few, unless they was allowed to sit on their mama's and daddy's knee in the country and drive when they was five years old. I'd never do that. And uh, the, most of them had a problem with uh, learning how to parallel park and all of those types of things. And it had to go through a process of preparing them to know how to do those things. And, and I believe that gifts and callings is given to men and women. Uh, but just because we have a gift or a calling and God has created us with certain things does not mean we do not have to go through a process of preparing to know how to effectively do that. And over the last several weeks, we're not going to reteach those things today, but let me refresh our memory very quickly. We dealt with learning the power of intercession, the value of having a worn knee. Some of you probably heard the saying, a family that prays together stays together. But I also can say this, a man of God or a woman of God with a call in their life that will stay on their knees will also stay in the ministry and they will also continue to do that which God has placed in their heart to do. So you can never get beyond uh, being a man or a woman of prayer. One of the things that I value so much and one of the memories that I have greatly as that of my father on this Father's Day, the first Father's Day without him. It's a little difficult today, to be very honest. But he was a man of prayer. He never, never stopped having worn knees. You can go to his little piece of property today, and I can take you to the altar that many of you have been at, and you'll still see some imprints in the ground because he understood the value of having worn knees. And can I tell you today, 
If you and I are going to lead the church, if we're going to lead this nation back to a place of repentance, if we're going to take people into a, an awakening or a revival, it will be because you and I make a conscious decision to be men and women that have worn knees. We've got to learn how to intercede on behalf of our brothers and sisters again. We have to learn how to intercede on behalf of a nation again. And we have to begin to be moved once again that when we drive by in our nation and after city after city, it should break our hearts this morning that when I understand life is busy and all types of things are going on, but it should break our hearts to the place where we began to weep when we drive by the sanctuaries that have been erected by the generations before us and the lights are out and the doors are locked on Wednesday and Sunday and Saturday and we find that signs are no longer illuminated because everything else is taking precedence. But hear me today, there has to be an awakening to that of intercession we then found that Joshua had to learn the mystery of communion or the value of locked arms. You and I today can't do it by ourselves. You and I need each other. Whether you like it or not, no matter how ugly you think I am this morning, I'm part of you and you're part of me. We're all just members of the same body. So if you're saying I'm ugly this morning, just know you're talking about yourself because you and I, we're all part of the same thing. So you all just better be glad that I'm part because y'all looking good. See, I got a tie on and everything this morning just for you because I wanted you to feel good about yourself because we're all just members of the same body and we, we need each other. And Joshua had to learn that and he had to, he, he had to experience that. And he did that when he went up the mountain with, with the Moses and the 70 elders and he experienced the value of how God came down and set on them and they sat and they had dinner in the presence of God. Then we continued to hear that you had to have an ear to hear. The value of a trained ear. Hearing what the heart of man is saying and hearing what the heart of God is saying. And then we had to go through the process of understanding just how vital it is to not enter into a worship service, but having worship encounters. How many knows we need the presence of God? Not just on a Sunday morning, but we got to have him in our life every day. And we have to live there and we have to do whatever it takes to experience that. And Joshua experienced and when the tabernacle of the congregation was outside of the camp of Israel and the people saw Moses come in and out every day and the cloud would follow him and go down to the door of the tabernacle and he would sit and he would commune with him face to face. But when we learned that the Lord said, I got to teach Joshua, the man that's going to lead my people into the place of promise. He said, I got to teach him some things. So he put him there and he never departed. He stayed and he dwelled there. Because there had to be some worship encounters. Wonder just what happened at three o'clock in the morning, some mornings, when it was just Joshua in the tabernacle alone. Just, I wonder sometimes. And then we had to learn that there should not be a desire for recognition. We have to have a controlled appetite and realize 
And this morning, your neighbor probably won't listen to me too well, but maybe they'll listen to you. Won't you help me just for a moment? Tell your neighbor and tell them, say, it's not about you. Even though I love you, it's not about you. Now, if the wife turned to the husband, you husbands already knew that. <laughs> just playing with you this morning. But we had to understand that sometimes, you know, we get to the place where we think, ah, oh, we're doing this, but, and you... The thing is, we can't do anything without him and his presence. And I want to say this to you this morning. It's not about how well we start, but it is about how we finish. We got to finish well. We'll finish well when we realize it's not about us, but it is about him. So this morning, we had to learn that together. But then last week, we dealt with having eyes of faith, seeing what others can't see. Joshua and Caleb said, oh, we can, the Lord said we could have this land. We'll take this land. It's, we, we can go do it. God's with us. And there was 10 others that said, I, I just don't think we can get that done. But we find that only those that had eyes of faith is the one that experienced the promise. And you and I today, we got to begin to see some things that others aren't seeing. And I can tell you right now, there's a lot of people that doesn't, doesn't see the hope. They don't see the peace. Uh, they don't see the, the opportunity, but today it's, it's really challenging them to see beyond the present crises of our world. But can I tell you, when I see eyes through the eyes of faith, I see a latter outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When I look through eyes of faith, I see the hope of glory. When I look through the eyes of faith, I see the church moving from glory to glory to glory. Joshua had to learn all of those things. And then one might think that he now he's found himself at graduation day. But even at this time of appointment, something still had to be taught and learned. And that's what I want to take just a few moments on this morning. In Numbers chapter number 27, Numbers 27, beginning in verse number 12, if you have your Bibles this morning, I'm just going to lay a foundation very quickly. And I'm going to try my best to hurry because I do believe that God is going to use Pastor Phil to finish this thing up with me this morning. And I want him to just begin to be ready. And we're going to go through a few things together this morning. But Numbers chapter 27, beginning verse number 12. If you're able to stand for the reading of the word, that'd be wonderful. If not, I totally understand. Um, But... That is our custom here in this house if we are able. Numbers chapter 27, if the Lord would help me this morning just for a few moments. I want to talk to you about learning how to receive a commission. Learning how to receive a commission. And the Lord said unto Moses, get up into this mountain. See the land which I have given unto the children of Israel. And when you have seen it, then you will be gathered unto thy people as Aaron, thy brother, was gathered. He said, for you can't go in and experience it because of your behavior in the desert. But I'm going to let you take a glimpse of it, and I'm going to let you see it. And then in verse number 15, Moses spoke unto the Lord, and he said, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, Set a man over the congregation which may go out before them and which may go in before them and which may lead them out and which may bring them in and that the congregation of the Lord be not a sheep which have no shepherd. 
And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thy hand upon him, and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thy honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord. And at his word shall they go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he took Joshua. He set him before the priest and before the congregation. Then he laid his hands upon him. And then he gave him a charge as the Lord commanded him through the hands of Moses. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people today. Lord, I pray that for the next few moments, the Holy Spirit would enter into this sanctuary. That he would have his will and his way in this room. Lord, I pray that you would help me to speak clearly that which you have placed in our heart. Lord, I pray that the same anointing would rest upon Pastor Phil as he's going to follow this morning. Help us to flow in your spirit today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Joshua has come. Joshua is getting ready to be appointed as the leader of Israel. The purpose of his assignment today is for him to walk in a place of leadership to take the children of Israel into the promise that was given to them and their fathers. We find that the day has come. Moses is going to lay hands on him. He's going to give him a commission. And as he does that, there is a purpose for this. And it is so that the people of Israel will be obedient to the voice and the commandment of God. You and I today must understand this commissioning of Joshua had very little to do with Joshua. It had to do with the ministry of Joshua. It did not have to do with accolades. It did not have to do with personal elevation. It had to do with servanthood. It had to do with him embracing the call of God on his life. And it had to do with him stepping in and surrendering to the will of the Father instead of his own selfish will. And we find that though he went through a process of many things, Understanding the value of a worn knee, understanding that of locked arms, uh, he had to also learn how to receive this commission. And as he was doing that, he had to come to a place where he had to sit in a place of accountability. And he was getting ready to become the leader of the children of God. But we find that on this very unique day, when you look closely at this passage of scripture, there is a recorded of the rise of Joshua to a place of prominent leadership. But we can see that even in this, there was a few principles that was very important that he had to understand. And Moses demonstrated before him very clearly. And the first thing was this. A true leader of God learns how to care more for his flock than his own life. Moses hears the word of the Lord. You can look at the promise. You can see it from a distance. But you can't go in because of what has happened prior. 
Doesn't mean that I don't love you. Doesn't mean that I don't stand beside you. Doesn't mean that I haven't used you. But your commission stops here. And when he come to realize, okay, I can accept that. I can accept that death is at my door. I can accept that I'm getting ready to go with Aaron and others. Uh, I am going to finish my task here. But one thing that I'm having a struggle with is who's going to take care of your people? Who's going to take care of the sheep? Because he said, Lord, when you read this, what we read together, he was simply saying, Lord, make sure you pick a man. Get a man that will go in. Get a man that will come out. Get a man that will lead them. Get a man that will love them and take them into the place of promise. Uh, And we find that Moses was teaching Joshua in this moment of time in history, uh, simply saying, uh, then you're going to have to make sure uh, that the first priority is what God has entrusted into your care. If you and I are ever going to be godly men and women in this generation, you and I are going to have to get rid of the eyes of our generation and once again begin to say, uh, we have got to get to a place where we're willing to be the servant leaders that God has called us to be, uh, where we prefer our brothers over ourselves, uh, where we give place to other giftings and callings. uh, When we get to a place where we're willing to step back so others can step forward, uh, listen my friend, uh, Joshua has been taught a very valuable lesson. Uh, If you are going to be the one that takes them to a place of promise, uh, you have to realize their needs uh, are more important than your needs. Uh, You got to make sure that there is no wolves in the wood line, so to speak, that's going to come out and grab one of these precious sheep uh, that God's about to entrust into your care. Uh, Can I tell you today, uh, we have did a disservice in the American church uh, when we began to think that a pastor uh, and a leader uh, has to have a, a, a entourage around him to make him feel like he's somebody of status and statue. Uh, listen, uh, we are nothing more uh, than sinners that's been saved by the grace of God. Uh, and if God be for us, who can be against us? Uh, but you and I got to realize uh, we got to raise up and fight for a generation this morning. Uh, Joshua, we We're going to give you a charge, but the charge is you got to be willing to die for those sheep that's in front of you. I want to ask you this morning, how many is willing to die for their nation? How many is willing to die for a generation this morning that's dying and going to hell because we sit in a place of religious activities, but yet we do not see the lost dying souls going to hell? Please hear me. Joshua had to learn what an example to see a man. And when you began to read through the book of Deuteronomy, you could see this in detail. Moses comes before them, says, listen, I'm 120 years old. The Lord says, my time's up. I'm leaving. Time for me to go. But here's the man. God is going to use to take you on in. That would have been a great time for him to beat his chest and say, hey, I'm the chosen one. No. Because he realized and he heard and he saw the behavior of Moses, a man that was filled with meekness. That was who led him 
Let me tell you this morning, meekness is not weakness. Some of the most powerful men and women on this planet today are men and women that operate and exercise in a spirit of meekness. And that's what Joshua saw before him. I could stay here all day, but I must move on. And we find that in this passage of scripture that we read, this new leader, this Joshua, he had to be willing to submit to himself to a place where he could be positioned to receive the endorsement of the one he was replacing. Notice in verse number 18, and the Lord said unto Moses, take Joshua, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hands upon him and set him before the priest and before the congregation. He had to be willing to come and sit down in the presence of the one that he was getting ready to replace. See, there could have been no commissioning. There could have been no charge. There could have been no validation. There could have been no impartation. There could have been no him receiving part of the honor of Moses if he wasn't willing to sit down in his presence. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people wanting to do some great and mighty things for the kingdom, but yet they're not willing to sit down in his presence. Hear me this morning. If you and I are going to be men and women of God, we're going to have to learn how to shut up and sit down in his presence and quit telling him how he needs to do everything and and when he needs to do everything. And we need to sit down so he can put his hands on us and give us some of his honor because when we have his honor, we have his power and his authority. I could preach there for a while too, but I better stay moving this morning. And we find that Joshua had to position himself to receive the endorsement. I want to ask you this morning, you sit here and you, you know you're called, you know you're gifted, you, you, you know that God has a plan for your life, but, but what's keeping you from being somebody willing to sit down in his presence so he can put his hands on you? But this new leader, this young man, Joshua, he had to understand also the value of and the importance of being established in the existing leadership structure that God had already put in place with Moses and the priest. Because notice, Joshua in this same chapter, verse 21 through 23, it says, And you shall then take him and stand before Eleazar the priest who shall ask counsel for him and after the judgment of Urim before the Lord and at his word they shall go out and at his word they shall come in and he's saying this I'm going to use Joshua and I'm going to anoint him but you got to make sure that you teach him that he has to come in and stand in the presence of the priest because it is through the direction that's coming from the priesthood that is going to begin to give him the wisdom so he'll know when to come in and when he'll know when to come out. And he said, without that, meaning this, can I tell you, there's a major problem today in America, especially when it comes to ministry, is, well, we haven't done it like that. And we're not going to do it like that anymore because 
this is a new time and it, you got to be relevant. Now listen, I'm not talking about legalistic issues, but I'm going to tell you something. There is something that has happened uh, that we have done and that is we've tried to create new thing after new thing after new thing and no new things is getting people saved, delivered and set free. Uh, but if we'd go back to the old rugged cross uh, and we get back to the bloodstained banner, uh, we'd begin to find that men and women are still going to get saved, delivered and set free. Uh, so everything old isn't bad. Uh, and what he was telling Joshua was this, Joshua, if you're going to do this, if you're going to take them to the promise, uh, you're going to have to make sure you're listening to the priestlyhood uh, because they've traveled a few miles. Uh, they've been in the presence of God. Joshua, don't you ever forget, uh, it wasn't just me in the mountain. Uh, it wasn't just you there with me, uh, but there was 70 priests there. There were 70 elders there. Uh, there was people there that experienced that God uh, let them sit in the presence of God and they ate with him and, and I've imparted into them and can I tell you I know you're gifted I know you're called I, I know you got a purpose uh, but listen uh, you got to listen to some old bald headed men sometimes uh, because can I tell you uh, we've lived a little bit uh, and God's been faithful to us uh, because we've stayed true to the word so we don't throw everything out with the baby's bath water, all right? You gotta stay true to who we are. We're still men of God, women of God, and we don't shy away from the bloodstained banner of Calvary. You say, well, this is all good and grand and I'm hurrying because this morning, can I tell you, right now, just like Joshua received a commission to lead the children of Israel into a place of promise, we find ourselves prophetically in the latter moments of the last days before the return of Christ. I don't know when he's coming. I know he's coming. I don't know the day nor the hour, but I just know he's coming. I know this ain't popular in the church world today because we're all comfortable where we are and we want to live here forever. But listen, I've got a home awaiting for me just beyond the blue. I don't want to live here forever. Now, I'm loving those grandbabies and all of that, and I don't want to leave today. But I'm just telling you, I don't want to be here in this age body. Listen, it, 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 gets, it gets rough, fellas, uh, when, you, when you get a little age on you. Uh, and your mind says you can, but your body says you shouldn't. Uh, but you're not smart enough yet to understand you shouldn't. Uh, you, I'm just saying, uh, you got to realize, uh, I don't, I don't want to be here forever. But, but there's some things over there. And I know he's coming. But please hear me. Prophetically where we are, nobody's been where we are before. But in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, your sons and daughters. Y'all know that. But I got to remind you, we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. So now we're in the last moments of the last days. And he's coming back for a glorious church. So that means we're getting ready to go from the glory to the glory to the glory. That means we're in a place where we're getting ready to get to the better, the better, the better. But you can't just get there by saying, oh, I want to be there. But somebody's got to lead you there. Somebody's got to lead a generation there. 
Somebody's got to bring this thing into a place where it's leaving the train station. It begins to move down the track where we begin to get closer to that place that God has prophetically said we can be. And you got to be a godly leader. you got to be prepared to lead. Uh, and and, and you got to position yourself to do that. Because can I tell you, just like Joshua received a commission then, you and I have been given a commission not by Moses, uh, but we was given a commission by Jesus Christ himself. It's called a great commission. I'm going to give you four things and then it feels coming. You and I must never forget that there is a great multitude in which no one can count or number from every nation, every tribe of all peoples and all tongues that's going to be found in heaven according to Revelation 7 and 9. But those people are not just going to get there by getting there. They are going to be there because a man or a woman embraced the great commission and they was willing to go. And they learned how to receive that commission. They learned that it wasn't about them. I was having a conversation with some young people yesterday. Said, I don't want to die. And I said, I don't want you to die, but you got to become willing to die because your death might be what brings about life to a village, an unreached people group. I know of no one that ever went to an unreached people group or an area that said, I'm going to go so I can die. They all went to take the gospel, but they all was willing to die for the gospel. And therefore, after their death, because of the love of God that was on display and their willingness to die, generations was trans- and transformed because they saw the power and the love of Christ. It wasn't so much of what they said. It was just the fact they was willing to lay down their life, even though they was desiring to live. But here's four things I want to give you. Number one, this. You and I, just like Joshua received a commission, if you are going to be a leader in this hour, I don't care what your gifting is, what your calling is, number one is this. You've got to have to become willing to preach the gospel to all nations and to all people. That even means your stuck-up neighbor that thinks they're better than you. That, that, that means walking across town. That means if the, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, you see somebody struggling at the produce counter in Walmart and the little voice says, hey, you know what? They, 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 could, they could use a word of encouragement. You say, oh, but I'm so busy and they don't even know who I am. They will think I'm crazy. But the Lord says, go tell them you love them. Tell them I love them. You, that, that's called preaching the gospel. You hear me? You got to be willing to do those things. Yes, God is preparing a glorious inheritance for his son Christ. But please hear me. He needs you and I today. But here's the travesty that I find. According to Barna, 47% of millennials have been led to believe. They've been indoctrinated to believe that they should not. They believe that it's just flat out wrong if they share their personal beliefs with someone of a different faith, hoping that they will convert to Christianity. They think that's wrong. 47% of professing Christians that are millennial age. God help us. I'm going to stand here today and tell you this. Jesus did not stutter when he gave the great commission. As Hudson Taylor said, the great commission is not an option to be considered, but it is a command to obey. If you and I are not willing to take the gospel... This is only one way to take the gospel, this platform. But there is thousands of other ways to take the gospel. And you have those opportunities every day of your life. 
The question is, are you using them? Am I using them? We're not merely called to preach to the same nation, however, over and over again. You can never lose sight of this. God's love is expansive and it's universal. John chapter 3, verse number 16. For God so loved the world. Was it selective parts of the world or just part of the world that will receive him? He loved the world. Therefore, we could not just keep doing the same thing. Listen, just under 42% of the people on this globe have yet to hear or have not heard very much at all of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 3.2 billion people are unreached today. And the reason for it is because we keep going and preaching to the same crowd. Less than 1% of all money raised for missions goes to the unreached on this planet. Less than 1%. But we will spend millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars every year to go back to the same places that we've always been. And we have to do that. We have to maintain. I understand that to a certain degree. But if we're not willing to look beyond to those that have never heard, Listen, I'm not here to give you a pizza party and things this morning. I'm going to tell you something. I'm, t- I'm, I'm calling you to a place this morning, the, this younger generation especially. If there's this thing gnawing at you to take this gospel message, I'm telling you. I want you to live, but also want you to be willing to die for this thing. And if God says go to Iran, go to Iran. If he says, go to Turkey, go to Turkey. Listen, I know your parents and your family all around you and even the people in the church that you sat by say, that boy and that girl's lost their mind. They're crazy. Now, I talk, we got to be smart about it. We got to use wisdom about it. We got to be prepared and equipped for it. But I'm telling you, I'm not talking about being man called. I'm talking about God called. When God says, you got to go. Don't you let anybody tell you you can't go. Because I'm going to tell you the God that's in you is greater than he that is in the world. And if God says it, you can do it. And even if there is a martyr stake in your future, you can be like those before you that stands there as the flames begins to come. And you can begin to sing how great our God is. Because it's not in you. It's the spirit in you and it's the God that's in you. You've got to be willing to preach. Secondly, you and I have to understand we are commanded to work miracles in the name of Jesus. Now, some of you are going to get real nervous right here. Phil can fix everything I mess up right now because I'm getting ready to mess it up. You are commanded as a man of God, as a woman of God, to work miracles. Don't get quiet on me. The second command of the Great Commission is this, to demonstrate Jesus' miraculous power as a testimony of the gospel. In Mark, you find, these signs shall accompany them or follow them who have believed. In my name, they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall pick up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. How many people did you lay hands on this week and they received a miracle? Why did not all the hands go up in this house? 
Because we've been led to believe that we have to be super spiritual or we have to be a certain type of gifting. And listen, God's will is for you and I to operate and move in the spirit of God and the power of God. And if we surrender to that and, and, and yield to that and we live upright before him, God will work wonders that we never imagined. Not for us, but for his glory. Christ promises to a effectively do these things. Jesus sends us out much like he sent the 12. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is his hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. What have you received? You received salvation, you received healing, you received deliverance. That which you possess, you have the ability to give. Has he healed anybody in this room? Anybody ever been healed this morning? If you have received a healing touch from God, let me see your hand again. That means right now you have healing power in you. So if you have healing power in you and you see somebody diagnosed with cancer or whatever the case may be, what is keeping you from releasing that which you have freely been given to somebody else? Man, I feel that this morning. Listen, religion tells you you can't. People say you can't, but there's something above men. The word of the Lord says that they that believe in me, they will do these things, not so they can be elevated, but so that I can receive glory and honor and that a world that doesn't know me can see that I am real and alive. Can I tell you, we don't need a story of 1940 when God did something. I'll celebrate that with you. But what about 2022 uh, when Madison went to the grocery store uh, and when, when, when others went to this place or that place uh, and they laid hands and God miraculously did something? It's not out of date. It's not out of style. Listen. There's been a lot of things people said, oh, that's, that, that, that's no longer relevant. I've seen some pictures of some of you elders with your big old platform shoes and your bell-bottom pants, and guess what? Nobody, that's not relevant no more, but guess what? It's making its rounds again. Just please don't. <laughs> I'll leave that right there. Some of your wheels started turning right there. Number three, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. We got to get back to where we understand that we've been commissioned to baptize new believers. Listen, I understand that water doesn't save us. But one guy said it this way. You want a true biblical prayer of salvation? Take somebody to the river because that is a true biblical prayer of salvation. Because that is a public display of somebody saying, I am going in and I'm coming out different. Listen, we should quickly as we can get new believers to go to the water because it is a testimony that I am dying and but yet I'm living in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Uh, listen, uh, we got to get back to a place where we put significance. And I've taught on this uh, in our ministry class. Uh, we got to get back to where we have significance on 
Water baptism, because it is a public testimony. It's a sinner's prayer, if you will. We have to understand, however, we must make sure new believers enter into this water in true repentance and faith. It's not just a thing you do. Okay. And then fourthly is this. We have to become, once again, willing to disciple those who receive Christ. Joshua, you got to lead them. you got to teach them. you got to show them. Notice with me, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I command you. Listen, you know when you start doing some repetitive things, people learn it. They, te- they, they, they grab a hold of it very quickly. Listen, all of us understand this. My little grandbaby, he's 11 months old. But he does what he has been taught to do. If I'm messing around with him, I can walk by a table and I can just go, and he'll go. I can go, and he'll go. Or I can say, praise Jesus, and he'll go. I'll say, pray for Papaw. Why? Training him, discipling him. New converts, men and women of faith, got to be viewed as, as the most valuable commodity that God has entrusted with us. Listen, I love y'all, but there's, and I love my children, but there's something about those grandbabies. I love them, but you, you ain't touching, you ain't touching them, you ain't taking them. And why? It's because and it's, they're the most valuable thing. I'm not going to, don't want to let them go. I want to make sure they're protected. I want to, listen, last night as I was down here putting the building back together with some and got called and, and Austin was getting ready to leave. And so, of course, I had to run home for a minute and I had to, had to go tell grandbaby, huh, Goodbye, and that I had I really I really crushed my my children's hearts this week because I told them I said I told Tyler and I told Kyla both I said you guys are gonna have to figure this thing out because I said y'all are having to come off my my family plan with my cell phones because I'm not I'm not carrying you guys anymore but Jackson and and Blakeland are getting there so that way they can FaceTime Grandpa anytime they want to because you know that that's all I want to talk about that's all you know so I got to stay with them that, that's where I'm at you know so so we're I go up there but I see this precious thing but but before they left please hear me I, I had to lay my hands on them and I had to pray because they're precious they're valuable and they got to be nurtured and groomed and when a man or a woman I don't care if they're 60 70 80 or 16 or 6 you know, if you're going to be a man of God you got to be a woman of God you got to reach under them and grab them and say I'm going to I'm going to take this one I'm going to groom this one I'm going to make that one you feel that pulling. Hey everyone, uh, Cameron here from PTC Ministries. I'm so glad that you could join us today uh, for the message here. Uh, I hope the message touched you uh, in a personal way and that you can take that and mold that and move it and let it move you in your life and as you can continue
continue your walk with Christ, continue your walk with us as well. Follow us, uh, click in the link below in the description there. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And don't forget to uh, like and subscribe. I feel like a YouTuber here, but don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel to uh, stay connected with us. Um, and thank you for joining us.